The Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 17. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. This is the Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm sure at some point you've heard the old Jeff Foxworthy bit, right? You might be a redneck if... Right? And I don't know if that's so PC to do that even anymore right? uh, in our world's climate today. Um, but you know that that's been taken and been used for many different things, right? And, and I happen to come across a you might live in Arizona if. See if you've heard some of these. You might live in Arizona if you have to run your air conditioner in the middle of winter so that you can use your fireplace. You might live in Arizona if the water coming from the cold tap is hotter than that from the hot tap. You might live in Arizona if you can correctly pronounce the following words, Suaro, Tempe, Gila Bend, and Choya. You might live in Arizona if you think someone driving while wearing oven mitts is clever. You might live in Arizona if you think six tons of crushed rock makes a beautiful yard. You might live in Arizona if you consider breaking out a coat when the temperature drops below 70. It's coming tomorrow, friends. It's coming. <laughs> You might live in Arizona if you know that a seatbelt makes a pretty good branding iron. You might live in Arizona if you have to explain to out-of-staters why there's no daylight savings time. Wait, that's coming next week, too. Um, and you might live in Arizona if when someone asks you how far you live from a location, you always speak in terms of minutes, not miles. You're nodding along. You get it because you live in Arizona, right? Let me give you another list. This one's not meant to be funny. <laughs> it's meant to make you think. You might be too focused on earthly matters if you watch and read more news than you do your Bible. You might be too focused on earthly matters if your conversations with Christian friends are more arguing about politics than actually encouraging one another in faith. You might be too focused on earthly matters if your non-Christian friends and acquaintances know what your political views are, but they don't know what your religious beliefs are. 
You might be too focused on earthly matters if you're worried about what's going to happen on November 3rd. And you might be too focused on earthly matters if everything that's going on in our country and our world right now is making you doubt God's love and his control over all things. I don't see much nodding going on with those. But I'm guessing that they're making you think a little bit. Am I too focused on earthly matters? Too much looking for things to be right here on earth and forgetting what Christians are supposed to be all about. The Pharisees had fallen into that trap, and that's the context of our lesson here from Luke chapter 17. The Pharisees come to Jesus asking him when the kingdom of God is going to come. The Pharisees, by this point, have come to think that the kingdom of God was going to be this earthly place. That the Messiah that was going to come, as prophesied by the Old Testament, was going to be this political Messiah, this earthly king who would come up and set reign and rule up here on this earth, restore the power in the king, uh, to Israel, and make them this superpower on earth again, just like they were under the days of David and Solomon. That there would be peace, there would be prosperity. By this point, that's what the Pharisees were looking for in a Messiah. And so you understand why they hated Jesus, why they rejected him as the Messiah, because that's not what Jesus was coming and promising. It wasn't this physical reign that he came to establish, a physical kingdom here on earth. And so the Pharisees' question is, is interesting. We don't really know what prompts the question, because so far they've been trying to find ways to trap Jesus to trip him up in his words, to try to find a reason to get rid of him, to put him to death. And so do they come with this question, or are they genuinely interested in knowing what Jesus' opinion is on this other type of Messiah that they've been waiting for? When is the kingdom of God going to come, Jesus? They're caught up in earthly matters. They're looking for God to fix all of their earthly problems and establish this kingdom of God here on earth. And they've lost sight of what's most important. They lose sight of what this Messiah standing before them is really all about. And that's not just a temptation for these Jewish religious leaders 2,000 years ago. It's a, it's a temptation for us too, isn't it? To begin to think that we want the kingdom of God here on earth. Right? That if we just get the right leaders and the right government, then everything on this earth will be the way it should be. And God's kingdom will come and be here among us. You know that there are many, unfortunately, who think that the United States is this chosen nation of God. And I don't hope to burst your bubble this morning. I hope you already know that. <laughs> that we are not some sort of new Israel here, the United States. That, that we are the New Testament Israel as the United States of America. And that God has some special blessings for the United States. But there is that among the Christian church. That, that thinking, that idea. It's being promoted by, by Christian leaders. 
And what they often do is they take Old Testament passages that were meant for God's Old Testament people, Israel, and they rip them out of context and they try to apply them to the United States today. And, and one verse that I see ripped out of context and used in that way more than any other is from 2 Chronicles. And I've seen it on social media. I've even seen it on a billboard here in Phoenix. And then they tell you on the bottom who you should vote for based on that verse. It's this verse. And this is they, they just take part of the verse. They say... Um, I will forgive their sins and heal their land. And the whole context of that verse from 2 Chronicles 7 says this. If my people, this is God speaking to Solomon here. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then it will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear their, heal their land. Christians and, and Christian leaders are tempted to take this verse Ripped out of the context of the Old Testament, words spoken to a specific group of people at a specific time, God's chosen nation of Israel, and apply them to our country today and say, if we just repent as a country, God will heal our land. The pandemic will go away, right? And, and God will make all of our troubles go away, all the racism, all of that will happen. If we would just repent of our sins, God will forgive our land and heal it. Friends, that is not promised. <laughs> not promised to the United States. These words for God's Old Testament people, Israel. God spoke these words to Solomon and said, Repent, and I'll heal your land. I'll bless you and prosper you. Right? That, that special covenant relationship he had with Israel. Right? And the purpose of that relationship was to send the Savior. That had a spiritual purpose to it. As much as we want to believe that somehow the United States is God's chosen nation, and that somehow we're more special and we deserve more blessings from God than any other nations is probably isn't the right way to think about this, right? Number one, it's not true. And number one, where does it lead you to? God doesn't love us. God doesn't care about us. The fact is God longs for all people to repent and to forgive their sins, not just the United States, but all people on earth. You know, this, this mindset, this temptation that we fall into that somehow the United States is, is, is this Christian nation and we've just lost our values isn't true. Again, I hope I'm not bursting your bubble here today, but does the Constitution of our United States have references to a higher power? Sure. Does it say on our money and God we trust? Yeah. That doesn't say who that God is. <laughs> not the God of the Bible, is it? doesn't say. And, and while you might find some Christians among the founders, our founding fathers, many, if not most of them, were deists. They were agnostics. They were people who believed in a higher power, but certainly not the God of the Bible. For us to fall into this thinking that the United States is this chosen nation of God, and if we just repent, God will forgive us and he'll heal us and he'll make this wonderful, special place to live in here on earth, it's false. And the fact is, friends, if that's all we think God can offer us, that's pretty sad. Right? If the fulfillment of the kingdom of God is just a better life here on this earth, more peace and more prosperity here on earth, it's really sad, isn't it? The fact is, Jesus promises something much greater than any earthly blessings. 
than anything that any earthly kingdom can bring us. Jesus promises something infinitely greater to us here today. And that's where we've got to turn our attention to. Not in earthly governments, not in policies, not in some sort of promise that God is going to make us into this great nation here. But to listen to what Jesus has to say about what the kingdom of God really is. This is what he says in response to the Pharisees who have fallen into this temptation of trying to find heaven here on earth. He says, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus says it's not a physical place here on this earth. The kingdom of God is not going to be something you can observe with your eyes. It's among you. It's within you. It's in your midst, he says. And what Jesus is saying here is that it's a spiritual place. It's a place where he reigns and he rules by faith. That wherever faith is present, there the kingdom is. In your heart and among us as the church. We pray in the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. and We pray that prayer nearly, if not every service here we have have at Heritage. And, And you might say this prayer multiple times throughout your week. We pray in that second petition, your kingdom come. And do you know what you're praying? three words, your kingdom come. You're not praying for God to establish reign and rule here on this earth. To make some sort of Christian nation for us to live in. You're not praying even for heaven to come to earth. The kingdom that you are praying about in the Lord's Prayer is that kingdom of faith where Jesus reigns as king. We're praying for that kingdom to come to us and to dwell within us and then among us as God's people. That kingdom in which we have blessings that no one and nothing in this life can offer to us. In this kingdom of God where we find peace. You know, Jesus says to his disciples in the Gospel of John, he says, I don't give to you as the world gives. The world tries to give us peace, right? It tries to give us this, what looks like peace, but it can't. Only God can give us true peace. And that peace comes by being in his kingdom. That peace of knowing that our God is not angry at us. Our God is not looking for an opportunity to punish us with every misstep. Our God looks at us and says, you are my dear child. There's no problem between you and me. You are loved. Because... Within that kingdom, we enjoy the blessing of forgiveness. That forgiveness that every sin was paid for at that cross by the Savior. That King Jesus who went to the cross to wear a crown of thorns and to take our place and to suffer and die for us so that he could cry out, it is finished, and know that every sin is forgiven fully and freely. Done. Right In that kingdom, we live in that forgiveness. We get to know that forgiveness from God and we get to offer that forgiveness to one another. Right? That kingdom of God in which we live, which dwells among us and within us, that only can bring us real joy and contentment. Right? Our joy and contentment cannot be found in our world here. It cannot be found in earthly leaders or governments or policies. Our joy and contentment is only found in Christ 
is only found in that kingdom of God in which he has brought us into. In that kingdom of God where we also find purpose. Right? That our purpose in this life is not to try to just make this world a better place to live in. But our purpose is to make this kingdom known. This purpose is to continue to grow in this kingdom, to remain in this kingdom, to bring more into this kingdom. And friends, the kingdom of God is here. All these spiritual blessings are right here. You find them in the means of grace, in the word, in the word of God, in the sacrament. Here you find the kingdom of God dwelling within us growing within us as Jesus sets up reign in our hearts and our minds and our lives as our king, as our true and only king. Friends, that's the kingdom of God that Jesus wants you to know and to live in and to find these blessings in because no earthly kingdom can offer them to you. That's keeping a kingdom perspective of life. That's keeping in mind these blessings that God only can offer and only Christ can give as we live in this world. But we get tired, don't we? Because while this is wonderful to hear, right, we come and we, we grow in that kingdom together, right, we know that kingdom dwells among us, we have all these spiritual blessings as being part of this kingdom of Christ, we still live in a world that is full of struggle. We live in a world that wants us to take our eyes off of what's most important and lose that kingdom perspective. Right? Jesus also said to his disciples at one time, he said, he said that you're in this world, but you're not of this world. So what does that look like? How does this play out as we go and live our Christian lives in, in an earthly kingdom, but also knowing first and foremost we're a part of that spiritual kingdom? Jesus goes on to talk about that here. He goes on in verses 22 to 25. He says, he says to his disciples, the time is coming when you will no longer... When you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. I know within the last number of months, I said to a number of you, and every one of you has agreed with me, just long for this to be over, don't we? <laughs> Some of the last recorded words of Scripture are, Come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. And the response is, Amen, come quickly. And isn't that our response as a Christian? Right? Come quickly, Lord Jesus, Amen. Let it be, come. Because we long to be free of the struggles of this life. But we're not there yet. Jesus says that it might be a little bit, right? He says, you're going to long for it, but it might not come quite yet. But he says, when that day comes, it's going to come like lightning, right? Like lightning flashes from one point in the sky to the other. That's how quickly that, that day is going to come. And so we want to be ready. We don't have to worry about when it's going to be or how it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. And it's going to happen any day, and so we want to be absolutely ready. Because it could be any day. Jesus says that, first, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Remember, he's speaking these words to his disciples before he's going to go to the cross. But that's been done. That's fulfilled. 
He's gone to the cross. He already has suffered. He was rejected by his generation. That's done. And so Jesus' words could be fulfilled at any moment. The Son of Man will come. And when we come, when he comes, where do we want to be found? In that kingdom of God. Having a kingdom perspective. Not caught up in the things of this world, but focused on the blessings that only Christ can give. And that's what he goes on to talk about. Other times in history where the focus was lost. He says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it also be in the days of the Son of Man. People will, were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Jesus points his disciples back to these times in the Old Testament where people were focused on only earthly things. Had lost sight completely of the greater things. There was no focus on the kingdom of God. It was only on an earthly kingdom. They were focused on eating, drinking, marrying, being given in marriage, planting, building, right? All of which are fine. All things that we do in this life, but, but they had made that all that life was about. The here and now. And don't we see this in our world today? Life is about the here and now. Life is focused on making my life better. Right? Eradicating all the problems of life. Being comfortable, being secure, being happy and content in my earthly life. And losing the greater blessings. Friends, this is a temptation for us. And we know, we look at the world around us, and this is where the focus is. These are the ones who are fretting about what's going to happen on November 3rd. These are the ones who are worrying about who our leaders are going to be. Those who find their contentment and their joy and their peace and their, and their value in, in, in life in the things of this life. And Jesus says, when that day comes, it's going to be like the days of Noah, like the days of Lot. It's going to come like that. And it's going to be over. So what do we do as Christians? As we know that day is coming, as we long to stay focused on those earthly, I'm sorry, on those heavenly things rather than the earthly things, as we long to keep our focus on that kingdom of God, what do we do? Well, we can take an example from what was going on at the time of these Old Testament accounts. What was Noah doing? He was building an ark for many, many, many years. That ark, with no water anywhere near, a sign and a testament to God's love, God's faithfulness, God's promises to be fulfilled. And the Bible calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. So Noah was preaching as he was building an ark about God's coming judgment. But also, more than likely, he was preaching with words. Repent. Judgment is coming. Stop being focused on the things of this life. Repent and know the mercy and grace of God. And we know that if anybody would have repented, they would have been on that ark along with Noah. But guess who walked on that ark and only survived that flood? It was Noah and his family. That's all. The words fell on deaf ears. 
Noah preached righteousness in his day. And friends, that's what we get to do. Knowing judgment is coming, knowing the last day the Son of Man is going to come, we get to preach, repent. Stop focusing on the things of this life and trying to find your satisfaction and your comfort and your joy in the things of this life that cannot satisfy. And know the kingdom of God. Come into the kingdom of God by faith and know the blessings that last forever. And think about the time of Lot. What was Abraham doing? He was praying. Praying earnestly for that city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He prayed, Lord, if there's 50 people, 50 believers in that city, will you save it? God said yes. Right? If there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, even if there's 10, Lord, will you save it? Right? Abraham was pleading on behalf of his nephew, Lot's family, but for all those people. So what do we get to do? Being in the kingdom of God? Being focused on those heavenly things and those spiritual blessings, we get to pray. We get to pray for one another. We get to pray for our world. That God would use his word to lead those to repentance who are focused on these earthly things, who are finding their contentment and their peace and their joy in the things of this life rather than in God. Friends, that's keeping a kingdom perspective. That's living in the kingdom of God. As we ourselves remain in that kingdom and grow and want that kingdom to come to us more and more, but we want others to be brought into that kingdom too. To know that which can only truly satisfy. To know that which can only bring true peace to our hearts and to our minds. To know that forgiveness that we know for every sin. Right? We long for others to know. Jesus goes on with an example of, of Lot's wife. Right, he says that day is going to come. He says on that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down and get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. Remember what happened to Lot's wife? She was fleeing, and God had told him, don't look back. Don't look back on Sodom. And she looked back. She died. She was turned to a pillar of salt. Because Lot's wife, even though God had rescued her, was still, still too attached to those earthly things. Still too attached to the things of this life. And Jesus ends by our, this section by saying, if you try to keep your life, right? If you try to hold on to these things and try to find your, your worth and your value and your happiness and the things of this life and the circumstances of your life and who's governing us and what our government is like and what our laws and policies are, in the end, it's all going to be lost. It's not going to matter. But, he says, whoever loses their life, who's willing to give up all these things, who's focused on those spiritual blessings, who finds their hope and their peace and their joy and their contentment in Christ, they will preserve it. They will preserve their eternal life. They will enjoy the blessings of God forever. Friends, remember this. To keep this kingdom perspective. As November 3rd quickly now approaches. To keep this proper perspective of the kingdom. To know that we already have everything in Christ. There's nothing more that we need. We have everything we need for this life and for the next in Christ Jesus. The kingdom of God is right here. It's dwelling among us and it's within us. And there we're safe. 
Friends, keep that kingdom perspective to know what's coming soon. Yeah, November 3rd, but our entrance into that heavenly kingdom. Be it on our death day or on that last day, whenever that might be, to know that that is where we will find absolute fulfillment of all of these promises of God. And so we're safe and we are secure. Friends, keep that kingdom perspective. And when you do, you don't have to worry. You don't need to fret about your life in this world. You are safe. You are secure. You are part of that kingdom of God now and forever. God grant that to you. Amen.